Okay. Receiving our offering here. Greg, we're going to get you in in a couple of weeks for that testimony, buddy, okay? Greg was supposed to also share a, a little bit about the school of ministry. And uh, he, we, we were together last night, and he shared a great testimony about what the school of ministry has meant for him. And um, so we, we're going to share that. I just really encourage you. Thank you, David and Debbie. They over, are overseeing our school of ministry and are really excited about that. And, you know, we, we started this, oh, gosh, three three years ago or more. And um, we've just seen God do so many great things through it. It's been amazing. And, uh, and we're, we're, we're kicking off our third year of our school of ministry also. And so uh, if, you're, if you are signing up, you're, you'll be signing up for our first year school of ministry, which is phenomenal, just amazing. So we want to encourage you in that. And um, we'll have enough time for you to, if you didn't put your name down this week of saying, listen, I'm really interested in coming. That first Tuesday night of September that we're doing it is open house. That means that you just come out, check it out, and you don't have to pay anything yet. If you want to, you feel like, man, this is what I'm needing, what I'm looking for, then you, uh, you work out the payment type thing. Amen? Praise God. How's everybody doing? We got a full house. Praise God. Praise God. Y'all are going to have to make room now. We've got students coming back in another week or so. And uh, that's one reason next week we're out at the farm, the gross farm. And and uh, we are excited about that. We're going to have a great time. And um, But next week, of course, all the freshmen are moving in. They shut everything down around here. You can't find a place to park, even if you tried. And so we decided, well, that's a great day to have an outdoor service. We always have a blast, lots of great food, fun, fellowship, and we want you to come out. The address, I believe, is in the bulletin there to the Gross Farm. And so, um, amen. So you see today, we are talking about the super, the, I can't even say it, the supernatural power of hope. Amen. And, uh, It will be a supernatural miracle to get all this in here this morning. I will do my best. How many of you are here the last couple of weeks when Rifle and Tiffany were sharing their testimony of, you know, how God brought them to the journey of coming here to the United States and, and, and finally getting their green card? That was an amazing testimony. Uh, I've heard from many of you that just had shared with me how, how you were totally blessed by that. You know, I had the unique opportunity to be to setting in a position of watching this unfold and uh, watching Rifle have to went through basically, if you call it your green card, your, your, your visa also went through three different, actually four different visas during that period of time from a, just a visitor visa that allowed him to be here for a little bit of time to the first visa of the religious workers visa to the renewal of the religious workers visa, which was a miracle in itself, how that came about. But, you know, each one had great obstacles against it, whether it's financial, every one, every visa cost. Uh, I think the, the religious workers visa was like some, something like four or $5,000 each. And then the, the green card was what, $30,000 or $20,000, something like that, right? Well, 
Okay. Okay, great. Lots of money. Lots of money. More than what he had, but not more than what God had. And uh, what, was, what was amazing, guys, as I watched and watched Rifle and watched Tiffany, like I said, each one had amazing challenges. We don't have enough time to go in and explain the challenges that were there. The, that when he was just within a few days or a few weeks of being, having to leave the United States because the other visa had not been approved yet. And then how God just brought it in just at the right time. It's amazing. But what I watched is, and what I was so blessed by was this man never lost his hope. Never lost his hope because he knew what God had said. He knew what God had told him that he was supposed to be here. You know, he came here for Oregon. I told Rifle, I said, buddy, you are in the right place because we're a stone's throw from Oregon Hill over here. That's the Oregon that God was trying to speak about, not the state, Oregon Hill, okay, close to Oregon Hill. So isn't it amazing? <laughs> but I was so blessed by just his faith was so strong during that time because he had hope. You know, when Paul, when he, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when he talks about life and all the things, and it's the love chapter, you know, and he talks about if I do this or if I do that, but if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. And he, he, he looks over the landscape of Christianity, our life and everything, and he says if you, if you bring it down to the basics, if you boil it down to the very necessary things of life, it comes down to faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Hope is so powerful, so necessary in our life. When I was little, I, I, I loved swimming. I still do. Uh, and I was watching the Olympics. You know, the, our swim team from the United States were, are amazing, and all the gold medals and everything was really cool. And uh, I'm sure that many of y'all were watching that. But I remember when I was little, I used to, I used to kind of sink to the bottom of the pool, and I would t- try to time myself to see how long I could hold my breath. How many of you have ever done that? We all have, haven't we? You know? And each time you would stretch a little bit further and a little bit further, and I got up to about two minutes of holding my breath. But, you know, yeah, no. And then they had to come and get me and save me and... <laughs> but you know, literally you felt like you were close to being to that point because you, you, you would sit there and you, I'm not going up. I'm not going up. I'm not going up. And your, your, your lungs were just bursting from the lack of air. And finally you just, you tried to make it a serving. You burst through the water and, and, and it's like, Oh, that's so good. It feels so good. You know, but it doesn't take long to, to realize that. God created your lungs to hold air. You gotta have air. Can't go very long without it. In the same way, God created our soul and spirit that we are to be full of hope. Because we can't walk this Christian life very long without hope being full in our life. There's this great story I read about a few years back and it actually happened probably 10, 12 years ago or more. And, uh, it's about a, a inner city school in East Harlem, New York area. And, uh, they had to, they had, you know, being a inner city school, uh, great challenges. 
unique things, trying to keep the students in class, trying to keep them in school, because uh, they were notorious that the kids that attended at school never made it to high school. They dropped out before they ever made it to high school. They just felt like, what's the use? You know, I'm going to end up like everybody else. Everybody I see in my community, they've dropped out. They sell drugs. They do this or that. I'm just going to end up that way, whatever. And so the people in the school knew of a man that lived in the area. He was a self-made millionaire named Eugene Land. And they asked Mr. Land, could you come in and say something to our students? Because being a self-made millionaire, they said, well, you might can, might can impart something that is going to bring forth a bit of encouragement. And he, uh, so he agreed to come in, and he writes that he's standing there realizing how inadequate he felt. How could I help? You know, how can I help to say anything to the ethnicities in this class that is not me and that they would listen or anything? How can I help them to somehow gain the courage to finish school? And he writes this, and it's up here. He says this. He says, stay in school, he admonished, and I'll help pay the college tuition for every one of you. There were about 60 students in the class. And he says, at that moment, the lives of these students changed. For the first time, they had hope. One student said, I had something to look forward to. Now, listen to what the student says. I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. I love that. It was a golden feeling. Well, he did that. He offered. He said, listen, if you will finish high school, I'll pay your tuition. Six years later, over 90% of those students finished high school. They finished high school, went on to college. What made the difference? What made the difference? Something they were hoping toward. Something that was of substance. Something that said, listen, if I can make it through, I can push through the difficulties. I can push through. And I'll just tell you, something like this that is, that is just a human promise how much more, how much more our Father's promise, the things that he promises, can we have hope in and encourages us, no matter what we go through in life, no matter the difficulties, delays, dysfunctions of life, that we can make it through and have hope we're going to get on to the other side. Amen? But that's the very thing that we struggle with many times. That's the very thing that is, I believe, is one of the greatest weapons of the enemy is to try to destroy our hope. Through disappointments of life, things, he, 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 it's like he strips away little by little our hope. It says in Proverbs 13, verse 27, that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. But it goes on to say, I love this, he goes on to say that... Um, but when the desire is fulfilled or when the, the hope is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. It makes that type of difference. It makes that type of difference. What is hope exactly? Hope is patiently waiting for the intangible to become reality. That's a great definition. The confident expectation that good is coming. I love that one. The confident expectation that good is coming. It's more than wishing, isn't it? 
I was talking with just uh, with um, Juanita this morning, and she was saying, "Man, I'm so happy! I was so excited to hear that you're sharing on hope because she said I grew up in a church that they preached against hope because they said it was just wishing, just wishing. Well, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Now, understand that sometimes that's the, our level of hope. It is a wish." It is like, man, I really hope this works out. And how many of you know that many times that type of hope is not very substantial, is it? I remember years ago. <laughs> it's a great story. I remember years ago that uh, I, was, I was the national director of a ministry called Campus Harvest. And we worked with churches all over the United States and helped them to pioneer to begin campus ministries on college campuses. And I was invited to a conference. And it's first time I was a little nervous there. And uh, most of the leaders I knew, and uh, they kind of knew me. But, you know, I'm going into a situation that I'm wanting to make a really good impression. How many of you have ever done that? You just go, man, I hope, I hope they like me. I really hope they like me. You know, I hope I can make a good impression. I hope that, that uh, you know, that they'll talk to me. Just anything like that. When you're a bit insecure. And then I was so insecure. And so, uh, so I, I go there, I check into the hotel, it was out in California, and I get to the elevators to go up to my room, and I met the, the wives of all the main leaders are standing there. And they're waiting for the elevator to open up. And I introduce myself to them, I'm just, and I go there, and going, oh gosh, okay, here's the moment. You know, the wives of the main leaders, you know. And so I said, I, I, I hope, oh gosh, I hope I can make a good impression this time. I hope I don't do something stupid, something goofy, and uh, whatever. I hope they're going to like me. I hope they, so I introduced myself. They said, oh, yeah, we've heard about you, Doug. Uh, it's good to meet you and everything. I'm thinking, oh, whew. And, uh, and so I had, I had two bags with me, and I'm standing. The elevator is behind me here. They're there, and I'm, I'm facing them. And I had my bags down, and I had a, a shoulder bag, big heavy shoulder bag, and a suitcase. Well, the, the elevator's open, and so I grab my shoulder bag, and I throw it on my shoulder. And when it does, the weight of it throws me off balance, and I fall over my suitcase. And I'm stretched down inside the elevator, just, just plastered, man, just in the elevator. Well, any of my hoping from that point was gone. It was gone, guys. And I'm laying there, and of course they're going, oh my gosh, Doug, are you okay? You poor, pitiful, little, uncoordinated thing. Are, are you falling over your luggage? Are you okay? You know? And so they helped me up, and I'm just, oh, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, I've blown it. I have really blown it badly. And so we all got in an the elevator. They're all behind me, and I dare not look behind me. I, I just, I'm just going to get me to my room, get me to my room. Maybe, it, maybe it's not as bad as what I think it is, you know. And so I, so, you know, the door opens. It's my, they have like the penthouse type spot, and I'm on like the first floor or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. And so the door opened, and I get ready to step out. And, and they said, well, Doug, it sure was nice meeting you, and we'll see you at the meetings. You take care now. God bless you, poor, you know, bless his little heart, and the type thing, you know. 
And so, I, so I'm thinking, okay, it's, it's still okay, it's still okay. And so the doors close, and as soon as the doors close, there was an eruption of laughter all the way up. Just, I mean, you could hear throughout the whole hotel, laughter, dying, dying, dying. <laughs> so it is important that you place your hope in something that is sure, something that is solid, something that is good. That is hope. That is hope. And that's all the time I have today. Okay. The thing about I love this verse out of Romans chapter 15. It talks about hope. Gives us a picture of what God can do with hope in our lives. It says, now may the God of all hope, everybody say all hope. So it means that, that there is no deficiency of hope in God. Amen? There's never a moment that God is hopeless. Never a moment that God is a bit discouraged. Never a moment when God wants to give up. Never a moment. He's the God of all hope, it says. Now that's what we have our hope into. A God of all hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing what? Now this is what God is believing. The God of all hope. It's going to fill you with joy. It's going to fill you with peace. And it says that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, wow. Not just have a little bit of hope that will sustain you for a couple of days, but you will abound. It's so great. It's so, it's, it's more than enough. More than enough. Now, I want to tell you, when you, when you fill yourself with that type of hope and you walk it out every day, day after day, day after day, your hope is not in your performance. Your hope is not in your ability. Your hope is not in what you do well or what you don't do well. Your hope is not in that at all. Your hope is in the God of all hope. That he believes in you. He believes in you. Listen to that. He believes in you. That you have the capacity. You have the capacity to abound in hope. Now, he wouldn't say that, wouldn't put that in scripture if it wasn't true. He said, you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love it. I love it. Hope emerges out of relationship, people. Hope emerges out, of, emerges out of a place of relationship. It's our hope in, in having faith in Christ's ability to do. I love it. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That settles it. That settles every question, settles every doubt, settles every problem, every mountain that you're facing right now, every deficiency that you're facing right now. I want to tell you, it settles it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I'm going to tell you, when you get a hold of that on the inside, and I was so blessed by rifle these years of seeing that hope, that his faith operates in that type of hope, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That he just he knows that every day, man, I've got to be filled with hope. Got to be filled with hope. Got to be filled with hope. I've got new challenges today, 
new impossibilities today. Tomorrow I'll have other impossibilities, challenges of life. And just as God has created for our spirit to be full of hope, we've got to go after it. We've got to go after it, guys. And it comes out of a place of relationship. Hope is not found in an event or a change of your circumstance, but it's a mindset of what you know that is true. The circumstances of life are only momentary. They're only momentary. The challenges, the testings of life are all only momentary. It will change. But what God has said, what God has proclaimed, what God has promised for you and I never changes. Never changes. And that's what we got to fill ourselves up with. Got to fill our minds with that. So we start thinking differently. Got to fill our lives, our soul, our spirit with that type of hope. That type of because God is destined for you and I to be messengers of hope. How many of you were blessed by Rifle and Tiffany's testimony last two weeks? Amen. How many of you believe say, well, God did that, what he could do in my life? What he could do in my life. We've got to be messengers of hope. We should be ambassadors of hope, reformers of hope to this generation. Our responsibility is is to bring hope. In 2 Corinthians 3.12, it's in the Amplified Version, but I love it because listen what it says. Since we have such glorious hope, wow, such joyful and confident expectation, we speak very freely and openly and fearlessly. I want to tell you, when you have greater faith in what God says and in your circumstances, it changes your life. It changes how you act. It changes how you talk. It changes how you walk. It changes everything in your life. When you have that kind of thing inside of you, you're going to share it with other people. You're going to be able to say, I'll tell you, your testimonies take on a different flavor, a different aroma. It's not a thing, well, I don't know how it happened. You know, it's just, I guess I just kind of fell into this, just the luck luck of God or whatever. No. You know, that you have you have so filled yourself with the hope of God with what he says. And you trust in that and believe in that. I want to do about three things with by the help of God and how God stretches time. Um, amen, baby. He does it, doesn't he? Amen. I want to share three things with you here before we leave today. One is the building blocks of hope, what they build in our life. That's why, that's why we need to be able to say, God, what is it that you have told me already? What is it that you have showed me? What is it that you have proclaimed over my life? God, let me, let me just fix my hope on that. Fix my hope on that, Lord God. It's going to begin to build something in your life when you begin to do it. Second thing is that we were talking about earlier about a journey. Everything's a journey. Chris Valentin was talking about a journey. There's a journey of how, how do you get from hopelessness to hope? Very quickly, cheer on that. And then lastly is that how do we keep ourselves full of hope? Okay? Y'all with me? All right. Hang in there now. All right? It's only going to get about 10 degrees warmer before it's all over with. All right. What, how does hope build in our life? There's four main building blocks. 
One that hope stabilizes the heart of the believer, I believe. If you don't, if you don't have hope, you're going to be filled with fear, anxiety, worry, stress. God, how am I going to do this? You come up with plan A and plan B and plan C and plan D. And you keep working those plans and none of them work, seems like. And you're just, you're, you don't know what to do. You're just, you're messed up. And that's where many of us, including me at times, I'm right there when I forget. When I forget what I have in God, what God has said, I, my heart gets all messed up. And it, but when I have hope inside of me, it stabilizes my heart. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Once you get hope in your heart, guys, becomes an anchor, and it steadies everything, the storms of life. You can go through the storms of life. We're all going to go through the storms of life, aren't we? Disciples in the boat, they're, they're wigging out, man. They're freaking out. They're, 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 they're crying out, we're going to die, we're going to die. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat because Jesus said one thing, we're going to the other side. And he had hope, and that's what his father told him. Jesus, you're going to go to the other side. He wasn't stressed out. He wasn't worried. He wasn't screaming. He wasn't freaking out. Wasn't doing all those things. And the disciples, they, what do they do? They wake Jesus up, and they say, don't you care? <laughs> How many times have we cried out to God, don't you care? Don't you care, God? When God has given us everything that we could ever need, has promised us riches untold. And he says, you're losing, you've lost your hope. You're fading in your hope. What, what was the last thing that I told you? Many times I tell people when they're in a place of confusion, a place of stress and worry, and they, and they say, I don't, know what, I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what God's doing. I go back and say, what was the last thing that you knew from God that you were sure about? Go back to that place. And find out what, how did you get off? What, pro, what brought you off? That thing of knowing that I know, that I know, that I know. God said this. I tell you, hope is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Secondly, hope inspires patience and perseverance in the midst of life challenges. Listen, we're all going to have life challenges. Not going to have enough money in the bank. Not going to know how, God, am I ever going to feel well again? We're all going to have life challenges. But hope, having hope in your life, being full of hope, inspires patience and perseverance in the midst of life challenges. Read, let's read what in Romans 5 what it says here. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? How many of you, when you're going through difficulties and trials, you just go, oh, glory to God. Oh, wow, this is wonderful. Thank you, Lord. I don't recall very many conversations like that coming out of my mouth sometimes. But not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, character, and hope. 
That's why we can glory because what it produces, what it brings forth, because hope is there. Now, hope does not disappoint. I love that. Now, hope doesn't disappoint. Now, we could just shut our Bibles, go home right now. And that's a good, that's a good sermon right there. That hope doesn't disappoint. It never disappoints. But the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit has given to us. You've got to see that hope is connected to love. When Paul said the things that remain are faith, hope, and love, it all comes out of a place of love. It comes out of a place of relationship. I can guarantee you if you are struggling or you are, you are uh, in your relationship with God, that you're not walking in the way that you need to be, you're going to struggle in your faith and you're going to struggle, struggle in your hope. And when you go through difficult things, you're going to try to blame it on everybody else. You're going to try to blame it on God. You're going to try to whine and cry out to God, God, what's wrong? Why, aren't, why don't you care for me? Whatever. Because something has, has changed in your relationship with him. Because I, I want to tell you, there are times that some of the difficulties that Cindy and I have gone through in life, you know, this Thursday, this Friday, Friday, Friday is our anniversary. This Friday, okay. Amen. We'll be receiving gifts between 8 and 5 on Friday, okay. <laughs> but this Friday is our 38th year anniversary. And I, I'm excited about that. But I want to tell you, we've had troubles. We have difficulties. It took me a while to, to, to fix her. You know, but um, <laughs> if anybody knows, you know, it wasn't her needed to be fixed, okay? <laughs> well, I want to tell you, the reason that we had hope in our life, hope in our marriages, and hope in trying to be the best parents we could be and still messing up royally, yep, yep, amen, baby, is that we loved each other. We loved each other. That when I said I do, I didn't say I do for, well, maybe five, six years, I'll do. When I said I'll do, we said, listen, we'll never talk about divorce. It will never enter into our life. No matter how bad it gets, how difficult it is, we'll find help. We'll find help. We'll get counseling. We'll do whatever we need to do. We'll get her fixed. Okay, and uh, <laughs> but I want to I want to tell you the hope that we have. One is that our marriage is going to flourish, and it's going to be a blessing not only to us but to others. It's because our hope in God and that we love each other and that God loves us. It's based out of a relationship of love, guys. Ah, it's good. It's good. Hope motivates godly living. Something happens when you're full of hope. You want to live right. You want to live right. First John 3, 3 says, Everyone who has hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And lastly here, the last building block that happens in our life, man, when we're functioning in a place of hope, we're trusting in God, we have that joyful expectation that good is coming because we love God. I love this. Hope produces joyful confidence in God. Jeremiah 29, I think David, was it Chris? Chris read that too, didn't he? How about that? 
says, for I, th- I know the thoughts of the purpose that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a hope, hope in the future. Then you will call upon me. You'll have confidence in your, in your life to call upon me and go to pray to me, and I'll listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search with me with all your heart. Well, guys, with the remaining 30 minutes that we have, <laughs> is that right? Is that good, Marty? Come on, buddy. I want to just take a couple of minutes and just just say, okay, there are times because we allow it to be that we find ourselves in a hopeless state. We probably all have in our lives where we, we, we give in to the difficulties and we just lose hope. We feel like there's no purpose or worth in our lives. We, we almost are afraid to have hope because we're afraid it's not going to work out. You ever been in that place? Where it's like, it's almost like, well, I'm, a, I'm afraid to have hope. I'm afraid to believe because I'm afraid it may not work. That's so anti-Christ. But we believe that because we listen to the, the voice of the enemy. I wrote down here that hopelessness is a relative of the orphan, fatherless spirit. The orphan spirit says you don't belong, you don't fit. You're not a part of. You will always be separated. You'll never have what you're supposed to have. And hopelessness is a relative of the orphan fatherless spirit where hope is a child of love. The thing about it is that in every situation of life, there comes a moment you've got to make a choice. It really comes, all comes down to a choice, doesn't it? Isn't God wonderful that he, he doesn't control everything of our life? He gives us the opportunity to make a choice. And we come to a place that you're going to have to make a choice. Are you going to remain where you are, complaining, mumbling, blaming others, living in a place of hopelessness? Are, are you going to get up, even in the midst of trouble, in the midst of difficulty, and are you going to begin to walk out of it, walking toward God, I know there's something there for me. I know there's a hope there for me. God, I'm going to walk toward that. The book of Hosea is an amazing book if you read through it. In the time of Hosea, Hosea was a prophet in the nation of Israel. Now, Israel on the surface, it looked like that everything was great. They were in the midst of time of prosperity, but they had their hope in their prosperity, but spiritually they were they were bankrupt. And Hosea, hearing from the Lord, knows that and begins to bring a message forth. Now Hosea is is, is the man that uh, that he lives out the prophetic picture of what Israel is during that time. That it looked like everything on the surface is great, but inside everything is bankrupt. And, they're, and, and they are not following God. And they're following other gods. And they're following other things. And God tells Hosea, says, I want you to go find a harlot, find a prostitute, and I want you to marry that girl. So he finds one whose name is Gomer. Bless his heart. <laughs> he, he finds Gomer. 
I, I, I just can't imagine a parent naming their little girl Gomer. I don't know. No wonder her life was so difficult. They married Gomer. <laughs> and Gomer didn't change when she got married, did she? They had some children and things like that, but she always would go. She always would stray from their covenant, from their relationship. Just a picture of what Israel was doing toward God. And, and Jose would go at, Jose would go after, uh, Gomer and would bring her back home and love her. What a great picture. What a, how God pursues after us, pursues after us, even in the, during the times that we are, we're not honoring him. We're not loving him. But he, he does it anyway, doesn't he? Praise God. So in the second chapter of Hosea there, He's talking about that God is not going to ignore their sin. God is going to bring judgment. And it's through the, through the, through other nations coming in, defeating them. But God's not going to leave them. God's going to be there for them, even through the midst of all of that. And of course, history proved that out. If you look into church history and biblical history, it proved that out. But he says here in Hosea chapter two, down in between verse 15, and 20, I'm not going to read it because we don't have time. I want to look at one thing. He says, he says, therefore I will allure her, God says, talking about Israel, will bring her into the wilderness, He's going to bring her into a place of wilderness, and I'll speak comfort to her, or I'll speak kindly to her, and I'll give her her vineyards from there, and in the valley of Achor as a door of hope. Now, the, the valley of Achor, when you, when you translate Achor, is the valley of trouble. God says in the midst of the valley of trouble, it will actually become a door of hope. And when you understand that God has given you a choice to walk out of hopelessness, but you've got to walk through a doorway of hope. You've got to walk through a doorway of hope. And so as you do that, this is what God begins to do. Can you go to that next slide? I think it's the next one. There we go. Walking through the doorway of hope in the valley of trouble, you found you found joy and passion of your dream. I want to encourage you to go through that and read this passage. There's a realignment in your relationship with God. There's a renewing of your mind. You begin to think in a different way. There's a renewed sense of walking in covenant again. And then it's the manifestation of heaven on earth, the goodness of God. I want to tell you, God, through hope, Wants to bring heaven on earth. Wants to bring heaven on earth. How do you keep yourself full of hope? This is what I want to end with here today. Psalm 138, verse 7 through 8. Great passage. How do you get a hope? How do you remain full of hope? It says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, in the midst of hopelessness, the psalmist says, you will revive me. There's an understanding that in God, God will always revive me. God will stretch out his hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. No matter what you find yourself in, no matter what ditch you find yourself in, God will always bring you out of that place, always. We can testify here today, many of us, when we were in our darkest moments, our loneliest moments, our most hopeless moments, who was there? God. God was there.
and he brings you out of that place. And he goes on and says this, that your, his right hand will save me, and the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. How do you maintain a life of being filled with hope? I believe the last passage of this psalm tells us, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. I want to tell you, we don't remain full of hope because of our circumstances, waiting that God, if you could just change this circumstance, then things will be better. How many of times have we prayed that? God, if you just get some money in my bank, everything will be much better. You know, we don't get hope from that, the circumstances of life. We get hope because of what God has declared. What God has declared. God declared, I will revive you. I will stretch out my hand against the wrath of your enemies, and I will save you. God declared that. And the psalmist goes, in, goes on and he says, okay, so my situation is not that right now, but I know my hope is that God will perfect me that I can walk in that realization. God will perfect me, everything that concerns me. I want to tell you, in heaven, there is a, there is a library of books and books about your life and what God has purposed and planned and what God has concerned for you. And God wants you to go into his inner courts and say, God, what's in my book? If you don't know what's in your book, God, what is in my book? Show me. What is it, God, that you're planning to perfect in my life? I know Cindy, she's been, uh, uh, she's been just absorbing this type of thing of going into the courtroom of God and legislate out of the courtrooms of God. And part of the thing of knowing what's on your book, what's on your scroll, what is God, what has God say, said about you? I'm going to tell you, of all the people that's in here, there's no one that's left out. There's no one God says, I'm still working on it. I haven't quite got, I haven't figured out what I, you know, have for you. But I'm going to tell you, I want to promise you this morning, you have a book. And on the pages of that book, God says, I, I have purposed this for you. And I've purposed that for you. And, you, and you, it comes out of a place of intimacy. It comes out of a place of hearing God's voice, of being close to him, of asking him, going to him, seeking him, asking him, God, what? I want to know what's in my book. So, God, that I know that my hope is in what you have declared. And I love this because it says here, I wrote it down, everything that is in heaven that has your name on it, God will perfect perfect and complete it and bring it to pass. That's how you have hope full in your life, knowing what God has declared, what God has said for you. Now, I don't know what God has said for you. I know what God has said for me. I know the things that, I, that has been fulfilled and the things that have not yet been fulfilled in my life. I know that. But I want to tell you, the things that have not yet been perfected and fulfilled, God has to perfect them and he has to fulfill them in my life. And my day will not end until God has perfected and God has accomplished everything that he wants to in my life. Because I believe it. I hope in it. I believe it. Now you, you can have a choice of saying, God, I'm just going to kind of live my own life 
and you'll miss out on a lot of things that God has for you. But I'm not planning to do that. I'm not planning to do that. Hope lives in the reality that everything that concerns my life, God has promised that he will perfect and complete it. I love it. I love it. The theologian Robert William Barclay wrote a few hundred years ago. He wrote this about the Christian hope. Let's go to the next slide here, the power of hope. I also put that in the bulletin this morning. I love this. This just kind of wraps everything up for us this morning. The Christian hope is the hope which has seen everything and endured everything and has still not despaired. I love that. Because it believes in God. Guys, it comes out of that place of relationship. Believes in God. The Christian hope is not hope in the human spirit, in human goodness, in human endurance, or in human achievement. The Christian hope is the hope in the power of God. Amen? How about stand up for it with me this morning? I want to pray for you this morning. If you feel like that you're, you have been walking through the wilderness, you have been in that valley of Achor, you have been in the valley of trouble, and along the way you have you've seen your hope diminish a bit. But you want to say today that I make a choice. 